refers to, to moving from passengers to crew members. And uh, he shared some very, um, very personal stories, very painful stories of his journey to understand his purpose. And some of you shared with me this week, it was really hard to listen to some of those stories because those stories echoed your story um, of where individuals didn't believe in you. They didn't think you were going to amount to much. They weren't sure what would become of your life. And as I listened to Roddy uh, talk about that last week, I thought, you know, my journey was a little bit different because I didn't have those negative things said of me or those things that were said of me that I wouldn't amount to much, but I didn't have anything said of me. I didn't have anything said to me. I was a shy and bashful kid who kind of hid behind my mom, but I had this creative relational bent to me. Uh, my brother and I, we remodeled our bedroom one year. Another year, we built, this, uh, we built a tree fort. Another year, we dug underground tunnels all throughout the yard. You know, we were always trying to create something, you know. And with the brother that lived, we lived in the woods, it was pretty easy to do that. But I also wanted to do things with other people. I was always engaging my siblings about playing games or about doing something. Um, always pursuing friends to be with them and hang out doing something with them. During my teenage years, my parents went through some difficult times, and, and they would both confide into me separately about things they were going through at 15 years old. And I'm thinking, why are they doing this? Why are they talking to me about this kind of stuff? It didn't make any sense to me. When I was in high school, I had a chance to, uh, to speak to our whole school. Um, and, uh, and I got, I don't know, why did I get this opportunity? And it seemed to go pretty well. I didn't really know what I was good at. I really had no clue. But I just kept doing the things that I enjoyed doing. Um, and as I did those things more and more, I got more opportunities to do those things as well. It wasn't until my senior year in college that I had a prof say to me, he said, you know, John, I remember during, my, during your sophomore year, you would sit in the back in that 7 a.m. class and you were fighting to stay awake and you usually lost the battle, um, but you tried really hard. He said, I just had this sense that God was going to do something in your life. I didn't know what. I just had this sense of that. I was like, wow. Wow. That was the first time when someone said something where they believed in me. They believed in me. And I haven't forget it, forgotten it. It was more than 30 years ago. And so I don't know whether your journey was like Roddy's where there was some painful things said or your journey might have been mine where there was nothing said and you had no idea what you were good at. And maybe even now at this point in your life in your 30s, 40s, or 50s or beyond, you're like, I still don't know what I'm really really good at because no one's ever told me that no matter what your journey has been like we believe i believe that god has created you for a purpose and he has a plan for your life and he's writing this story called your life no matter what your story has been up to this point no matter no matter how dark and cloudy it's been no matter how bright and sunny it's been god has a purpose for your life if you're a student, God has a purpose for your life. If you're a young mom, God has a purpose for your life. If you're single, if you've been through a difficult divorce, God has a purpose for your life. If you're an empty nester, God has a purpose for your life. We believe that God has a purpose for every person on this planet Earth for their life. And for every person who's here at CCC and calls CCC their church home, we believe God has a purpose for you here and a part for you to play here. And a part for you to play that no one else can play at this moment in time. A unique role that you have. And regardless of your story, regardless of your pain, regardless of where life has taken you, we believe that God has given you something to make a difference here at this point and at this time. We began a couple weeks ago with asking the question, why serve? 
Why serve? And I talked about how um, we are poured into, and then once we're poured into, then we're supposed to pour our, ourselves out in the lives of others. And one of the staff was telling me that after um, I preached this message a couple weeks ago, one of our students was walking out through the lobby, and they, they mentioned to him, they said, I get a chance to go do exactly what John was talking about. People have poured into me, and now I get to pour into the kids here at CCC. And they got it, and they were going to do that. And then last week, Roddy talked about what is my purpose and he talked about how the, the painful things in life, how sin affects all of us, and the work that God has done through the cross to give us purpose and meaning in this life. And for the next two weeks, we want to ask the question, where should I serve? Where should I serve? And we're going to do that by talking about, by doing two things. The first thing is we're going to explore the concept of spiritual gifts and talk about what spiritual gifts are. And then we're going to look at some of those gifts this week and some of those gifts next week. And my goal and challenge for you, for every person here, is to move from a crew member, from a passenger to a crew member, from a passenger to a crew member. Um, our ushers have some cards. They're going to pass those out to you, and we're going to come to those a little bit later in the service. Uh, these are our serving cards, and these are just for the people that attend here regularly. Um, if you haven't found a place to serve, um, you haven't identified an area, you'll see some new ones added to that. Um, if you filled one of these cars out and you haven't heard from us yet, um, we're going to get in touch with you very soon, so we appreciate your patience. For those of you that haven't heard from us, we're trying to stay in touch, get in touch with everybody and talk to them about them. Um, so just take one of these cars that the guys are going to pass out, and then we'll come back to that a little bit later in, this, in the message. So the first question I want to ask is, what is a spiritual gift? What is a spiritual gift? Well, a spiritual gift is not personality. It's not personality. Some of you may have heard about personality. You know, you know, you've taken personality tests. You've taken the DISC profile. You know, you're one of those things, D-I-S-C. You've taken, you know, the Myers-Briggs or UNENFJ or an INTP, you know, whatever those things are. You don't, you don't, I don't remember what those are, but you've taken those. Maybe you've heard of this one. You know, some people, some people are like otters, you know, they're, or, or beavers are really busy. How many of you like beavers? You're always doing something. How many of you like beavers? There's, only, there's a lot more beavers. This is Lancaster County. There's a lot more beavers out there, you know. You're always busy. Some of you are like beavers. Some of you, you know, maybe you're a little bit, uh, we're going to need some help back there. There we go. Some of you are a little bit like lions. You're the ones that take charge. Whenever there's a challenge, you take charge and you run with it. Some of you are like lions. Some of you are like the golden retriever. Some of you are everybody's friend, everybody's buddy. You're always licking and climbing on everybody, you know. You're just every, you can't get enough of people, you know. And some of you are like the, there he is, the otter. You're the party waiting to happen, you know. That's who some of you are, and you know who you are. And everybody loves having you around. And so, you know, we talk about these personalities, you know, who we are, our unique design, how God has wired us. But that's not really what spiritual gifts are. Uh, some of you are good with your hands, you're good at building and making and designing and creating things. Some of you are good with people. You know, you work in the medical community. You work in classrooms. You work with groups of individuals. You're a coach. Um, you know, some of you are good at leading. You're good at overseeing and coming up with a plan and executing that plan. Those are talents. What we're going to talk about this morning is called spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts. What is a spiritual gift? It is a gift from God that helps other people grow in their faith. It's a gift from God that helps other people grow in their faith. Now, the majority of the time when you receive a gift, who is that gift for? Who's the gift for? Other people or for you? 
for you, right? I mean, in a couple weeks when my birthday comes, just letting you know that, you know, the, any gifts that come, that, those are for me, you know, right? That's who the gifts are. They're for me, for me. A spiritual gift is different. A spiritual gift is given. This is something that God gives to you that's not for you. It's not for you. God gives you this gift so that you can help other people grow in their faith. Know God, love God, follow God, devote their lives to God. That's why God gives you this gift. Now think about that for a moment. God has not said that I want the pastors in the church to help everybody grow. We'd love to help people grow. The guys on staff that work together, the team that we have, the, we love to do that. But God said, that's not my plan. My plan is not to put one person or a couple of individuals in charge of the church and they help everybody. I said, that's not my plan. Not my plan. My plan is that I am going to place in each person who's a follower of Jesus this gifting, and that gift is going to help other people grow up in their faith. Grow up in their faith. So what do you think happens if other people have these spiritual gifts and they're not using them? It's affecting your growth, isn't it? It is. What do you think is happening if you have this spiritual gift that God has given you and you're not using that? It's affecting other people's growth, isn't it? God has entrusted you. He's entrusted you with this gifting from him that when you use this, people's lives are changed. That is an unbelievable, amazing opportunity, isn't it? Isn't it? Now, some of you are thinking, I, that, I hear you, John, but that doesn't work with mine. That doesn't work with me. You don't know what I do. But what does Paul say about this? In the book of Romans, look what he says. He says, for just as each of us has one body with many members. One body with many members. How many bones do we have? What, over 200 bones, right? Over 200 bones in the body, you know? How many muscles? Anybody know how many muscles we have? You know, somewhere over 600, you know, 600 plus muscles we have. Every one of those bones and every one of those muscles, they all have what? A specific purpose. A specific purpose. There's not interchangeable parts. A specific purpose. And that's what Paul says. For each one of us has many members, and these members don't have all the same function. So in Christ, we though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. He uses this comparison. He says, you know, you, there, there, there's a human body, and the church is just like the human body. Jesus is the head of the church, and all the people that are part, they're the body. Each one of them have a part, and who do they belong to? Not to themselves. They belong to who? All the what? All the what? All the others. This group, it takes a little while to get you guys warmed up here. All right? These gifts are not for us. Gifts are not for me. Gifts are not for you. The gifts are for other people. He goes on to say in verse 6, we have different gifts according to the grace given to us. Different gifts according to the grace given to us. You don't get to decide what gift you have. You don't get to decide. You can't lobby for a different one. You can't put your paddle up. I'll, I'll bid for this one. You know, It's what God gives you. It's what he gives you. And it's based according to the grace given to each of us. Grace is something you don't deserve. These gifts are not something we deserve. I do not deserve the gifting that God has placed on me. You don't deserve the gifting. You've done nothing to earn it. 
nothing to receive it. God says, I love you so much, and you are so incredibly valuable to me that I'm going to give this to you, that when you use this, other people's lives are going to be changed. They're going to grow. They're going to grow. He talks about this also in 1 Peter. If you have your Bibles, why don't you grab them and turn to 1 Peter. Bible's in the seats. It's page 982. 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4, page 982. And in 1 Peter chapter 4, um, Peter's basically talk, uh, Peter's writing this book, talking to people about how to live in a, in a culture, in a world that doesn't want anything to do with God. And uh, in 1 Peter chapter 4, he's anticipating that the world's not going to continue much longer. And so he says this in 1 Peter 4, 7. He says, the end of all things is near. So he said, the end is coming. And so then what Peter says is he says, I want to give you, I'm going to give you some bullet points so you kind of know how to live because time is short. So he says, be alert. That's his first bullet point. Be of a sober mind. That's his second bullet point. Verse 8, love one another because love is going to take care of all kinds of things. That's his third one. Verse 9, offer hospitality. Share what you have with one another without any complaining. Then in verse 10 he says this, each one should use whatever gift you have received to serve who? To serve others. There it is again. It's not for me. It's for others. As faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Now we don't use the word steward a whole lot. Another word to use there would be manager. God says when you're given this gift, you're given the responsibility to manage something that I'm entrusting to you. So whether you manage these people or these resources or this task, you're a manager where you work. You don't own what you're doing. You're not the owner so the owner has said, I want you to manage this for me. And that's what God says. God says, I'm giving you these gifts. I want you to manage these gifts for me. That's what I want you to do for the benefit of other people. And there's that word God's grace again. That shows up every time we look at this issue of gifts. It's, a, it's the grace of God. It's the grace of God. Then in verse 11, um, he goes on to say this. He says, if anyone speaks... They should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. And if anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. So what Peter does is Peter kind of says there's two groups, two groups of gifts. There's those, that, there's those that relate to speaking and those that relate to serving. Speaking and serving. Kind of generic. But so this week we're going to talk about the serving gifts. Next week we're going to talk about the speaking gifts. So why would you choose that order, John? Well, the speaking gifts, those gifts are going to be listed up here. They're gifts like leadership and teaching and shepherding and encouragement. And those are gifts that get a lot of attention. Those are gifts because they're up in front, they're out in front, they're engaged with people. They're the gifts that get a lot of attention. The gifts that often go unseen are the serving gifts. What are those gifts? Those are the gifts of serving, the gifts of administration, the gifts of mercy, and the gifts of giving. And um, if we can bring that verse, 1 Peter 4.11, back up... Um, Paul says this, or Peter says this, excuse me, to those who have these gifts of serving. He said, they should do so with the strength God provides. The strength God provides. To those with speaking gifts, he says, speak God's words, not your own words. But those gifted in serving, he said, you're going to need God's strength to live this out. You're going to need God's strength to live this out. So that in all things, God gets the praise, and he gets the glory, and he gets the power forever and ever. And so this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the serving gifts. 
the serving gifts. Now, if you haven't already done so, I want you to take out the note sheet out of your program or open up the notes section in your phone um, because what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through each one of these, these four gifts. I'm going to tell you a little bit about them, tell you some characteristics. We're going to look at an example in the Scriptures, um, and then I'm going to give you a danger. And if this gift sounds like you, our guys have some programs if you want to grab one of those and grab the note sheet out of them. Thanks, guys, for making them available. This gift sounds like you. I want you to write it down. But I also want you to write down who else this gift sounds like. This sounds like your spouse, maybe one of your kids, maybe one of your parents, maybe somebody in your small group. I want you to write that down. Okay? All right. So let's go to the first one. The first one is the gift of serving. The first one is the gift of serving. And serving is the ability to accomplish practical tasks which free up and support others. Practical tasks which free up and support others. So what are some of the characteristics of those gifted in serving? They love to be behind the scenes. When I ask someone gifted in serving, if they would come up on the stage and talk about, they kind of break out in a cold sweat. You know, their foreheads are perspiring. You know, they kind of go into the shakes. You know, that's just they don't like to be in front of people, people gifted in serving. Here's another one. They struggle to say no. They struggle to say no. Someone, their, their plate is already full, and they know they have too much to do, and someone comes and says, hey, can you help? And they're like, no, 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 yes, I'll help, I'll help. You know, they, they, they can't even get the word out. They can't even get the word out. They struggle to say no. Here's the next characteristic. They're always saying, how can I help you? How can I help you? I could tell you names of people in this room that say that to me regularly. How can I help? How can I help? It just... It's instinctive. It just rolls off their tongue. Here's another one. They're usually pretty detail-oriented. They pay attention to a lot of details. And then here's the last one. Um, they don't seek recognition for their efforts. They don't seek recognition for their efforts. Um, they don't really care if they ever get recognized. They don't talk about themselves. They don't talk about their accomplishments. They just serve. They just serve. Um... Our church and any church could not survive if there were not gifted people who are gifted in serving using their gifts and abilities to make a difference. They're incredibly, incredibly, incredibly valuable in the church. An example of that is in the book of Acts, um, Acts chapter 9. There's a story of a woman by the name of Tabitha, or in Greek her name was Dorcas. She was always doing good and helping the poor. This is what she was known by. This is what she was characterized by. She was always someone who was helping. And so what's the danger for someone gifted in serving? What's the danger? Well, here's the danger. If you say yes too often, you will eventually hate to serve. You say, what do you mean? If you say yes too often, you will hate the one thing you love. Because all of us need to live life with boundaries. We need to set boundaries, parameters around our lives. And people gifted in serving, they say yes so often that sometimes they say yes to their own detriment. Their own detriment. If you are gifted in serving, um, I would encourage you to have a spouse, a trusted friend that you can go to, and when someone asks you, you learn to say, let me check and I'll get back to you. And you go to them and, and their response is usually going to be, are you out of your mind? Your plate is so full and you're going to take on one more thing? I can't, you know, that's what you're, you guys are laughing because some of you have heard this said to people by you, you know. 
And what this person who loves you dearly will say to you is, why don't you take two things off your plate, and then we can add this one on. And that's what you need. That's what you need. Because I don't want any of you to get to this place. I don't want any of you to get to this place. People gifted in serving, I say to our staff all the time, don't let them do too much. Because you will keep adding and adding and adding and adding and adding. Okay? So that's the gift of serving. So does that describe you? Does that describe you? Does it describe someone you know? Describe someone you know. Always behind the scenes, always helpful, always there, always saying, how can I help? Let's look at the next one, the gift of administration. Administration. This is the ability to make order from chaos. People gifted in administration, they love messes because they love to clean up the mess. That's why they like messes. They love to come in there and find things that are a mess. It's chaos. It's everywhere. And they'll make a plan. They'll execute procedures to make that ministry or whatever they're doing much more effective. So what are some of the characteristics of these individuals? Um, first characteristics is they're able to accomplish, organize people and projects to accomplish a goal. And then second, they can create a plan to accomplish the goal. So someone gifted in administration, they can, they can see that you're here and you need to get here. And they'll say, okay, we need to get this person doing this. We need to get this doing this. You need to fill out this. You need to get this laid out here. You need to do this. They just, in their brain, thinks like this. It just thinks plan and structure and order. And boom, it just kind of flows. And you're like, oh, my goodness, I didn't even think of half those things. And you already got them all flowing out of you, you know. That's someone gifted in the area of administration. Here's a couple more characteristics. They like to make decisions. And then lastly, they love to figure out the how to get things done. They don't always need to know why. You just need to say, we need to get from A to B. And they're like, you don't have to tell me why, but I'll figure out a plan for you to get from A to B. And they'll map it out for you. This is the gift of administration. Okay? So let's look at an example in the Bible. An example in the Bible is Nehemiah. And if you don't know the story of Nehemiah, he was a guy that was sent back to the land of Israel after the, the land had been decimated, wiped out. The land had been stripped bare. And so he went back with a group of people to try to rebuild the walls so the city of Jerusalem was safe. So before this, in chapter 2, he goes through, he analyzes the situation, and then look at his plan. From that day on, half my men did the work. The other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and arrows. The officers posted themselves behind all the people who were building the walls. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. You see, there were no walls, so they were at risk. So you had to come up with a plan. How are we going to protect the people, and how are we going to build the wall? And he came up with a plan to execute that. So what's the danger for someone who's gifted in this area? What's the danger? You're so tied to the task that you lose sight of the people. You're so tied to the task that you lose sight of the people. The danger for someone gifted in administration is they've got a plan, and they're tasked to execute the plan, and they're going to execute that plan no matter who's in their way and forget about the process of working together with people. Okay? So are you gifted in administration? Is that the way you're wired? Or do you know someone that's really good at this? Do you know someone that's really good at this? All right, let's look at the third one. The third one is mercy. Mercy is the ability to be with people who are suffering, providing support and encouragement by your presence and with their resources. People gifted in mercy, um, to me, are quite remarkable people. They are able to come alongside of individuals that are hurting, that are suffering, that are going through a difficult time. They know what to do. They don't always even have to say anything. And you feel cared for. You feel cared for. Um, people will often come to me and say, 
John, I, I got this, this friend, they're going through a difficult time, and I just don't know what to say. And I think to myself, well, you're not really gifted in mercy. Um, we'll talk about that next week, what you could do. People gifted in mercy, they don't ever come ask me. They just do it. They, just, they have like this sixth sense, this radar, where they, it's, it's like they know when people are struggling, and they know how to come alongside of them and just be physically present with them, and you feel cared for by them. Let's look at a few of the characteristics. So they're drawn towards people who are suffering and hurting. They'll pray for you, um, and they'll keep praying for you till you tell them to stop. Um, they weep with those who weep, and they're comfortable just being present. They don't have to say anything. Just their presence is powerful. I remember a few years ago when I had a grandfather who I was really close to. He passed away, and the funeral was about 45 minutes from here, and and I was there with my family, we were at a viewing, and uh, I was at that viewing, and one of the guys that I worked with at that time showed up at the viewing. And, and he didn't say a whole lot, he just kind of stood there with me. And, and I was just blown away, because I'm often in that role of doing that with other people, but someone did it for me. And I felt comforted just by their presence. I felt comforted by their sacrifice. I felt comforted that they were just there. They were just there. So let me give you an example of this in the Bible. An example I want us to look at is the story of the Good Samaritan. And if you know that story, and there's a guy walking down the road, he gets mugged, he gets beat up, he gets left for dead. A bunch of religious guys come by, they're just like, ooh, I'm not, touching, no, I'm not touching that mess. And they walk around the other side, they avoid him. Until this guy comes known as the Good Samaritan. And look what he does. In Luke chapter 10, verse 33, a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and he saw him, and he did what? He took pity. That word pity is the word compassion. He felt something inside for this guy. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, poured on oil and wine. He put the man on a donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. He took care of all the needs that this guy had. Verse 35. The next day he took out two denarii, and he gave them to the innkeeper. He said, look after him, and when I return, I'll pay any extra bills. Now, the interesting thing about this guy is it connects to the danger. Because the danger for people gifted in mercy is you care about someone's problems more than they do. You care about someone's problems more than they do. You see, what happens with people gifted in mercy is they care and they care and they care and they keep caring and they keep caring and they keep caring and that other people don't care anymore and they're still caring. And part of what we've learned to do is we've learned that you can't care more about someone's problems than they do. And the story of the Good Samaritan is so illustrative for us because he took care of the guy's immediate needs, he paid some money, and then he left. And he left him in the hands of the innkeeper. And he said, I'll come back and cover the debt. He passed the baton. He said, it's someone else's turn. You take care of him. I've done what I can. And so if you're gifted in mercy, if God has wired you this way, you need to ask yourself this question regularly. Do I care more about them, their problems, then they care about them. And if you are, you likely need to step away and pass the baton to someone else who we're going to talk about next week. Okay? All right, last one. Last one is the gift of giving. Giving. Giving is the ability to contribute money and resources to accomplish God's work with great joy and generosity. This gift of giving, this is a confusing one. Because uh, it's one that's behind the scenes, and one that you don't normally know about, you don't normally, aren't normally aware of. Sometimes you might be a recipient of it, but you never quite know. You never quite know. 
But the people gifted in giving know this is how God's wired them. Let's look at a few of the characteristics. So they, they give above 10% to God's work. We talk all the time about giving God the first 10%. We talk about that all the time. These individuals give more than that, and they give to all different kinds of things in addition to the local church. Here's another one. They like to give anonymously. They don't want anybody to know that they've given. Here's another one. They find ways to live on less so that they can give more. This is a pretty important one. Um, they uh, live frugally. They um, are careful about where their resources go because they want to use as much possible money as they can to make a difference in the lives of other people. One more. They're often very generous using their resources. Um, they just keep giving and giving and giving and giving and giving. A great example of this, um, and this, let me just say this gift of giving is not tied to levels of income. Okay, it's not tied to levels. Of, it's not that certain income level and then you're in the gift of giving category. That's not how it works. It's not how it works. God might have given you this gift regardless of your income levels. Okay, regardless of your income levels. And this is illustrated in the book of Second Corinthians when Paul is writing, and he says this. He says right into the Corinthians. He said, in the midst of a severe trial, he's writing about another group of people. Their overflowing joy and extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond what they were able to give. And then in verse 4, oops, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. They said, hey, we know there's a need. We're going to give. We're going to keep giving. We're going to keep giving. We're going to keep giving. The danger for individuals gifted in giving is this. You restrict the use of your resources if you feel they're not being used unwisely. So what do you mean by that, John? Because these individuals are so wired to be good stewards of their own personal resources, they have to be very careful that when they give, they don't say, now this is, how, this is what you have to do and this is what you have to do. They have to give and then let go with no strings attached. That's the challenge for them. Because they work so hard and they're so diligent to make sure they have extra to give, they can be careful, they, they can struggle with putting controls on that. And so they have to learn to give and then step back. Now these four areas that we talked about, serving and administration and mercy and giving, three of them, serving and mercy and giving, God tells all of us to do that, who are Christ followers. It says in the Bible, serve one another. It says in the Bible, show mercy to one another. It says to give. But for some of you, God has placed on you this unique gifting. And he says, when you do this, you are going to help encourage other people in their faith journey. You're going to help encourage other people to grow up in their faith. So is this an area that you are gifted in, this area of giving? Or do you know someone? Have you been the recipient of someone else giving generously? And you're not sure why, but they just give generously. Or people giving to you anonymously. Anonymously. Um, at times it's a little frustrating when someone gives to me anonymously because I would love to say thank you, but it doesn't matter to them. They don't need to know because it's just between them and God. So those four areas, serving, administration, mercy, and giving, were you able to identify one of those areas that you serve? I just want to wrap up by saying this to those of you that are gifted in these areas. My experience with people gifted in these areas, serving, administration, mercy, and giving, is you love to serve behind the scenes, 
You don't want to be up on the stage. You want to be back where nobody can see you. You don't want any credit for it. You don't want any recognition for it. Um, and I'm always challenged when I interact with you. But what I want to say to you today is don't minimize your gifting. Don't devalue your gifting. Don't say it's not that big of a deal because it really, really is. Um, Recognize that God has given you these amazing gifts. And Paul understood this in 1 Corinthians 12 because as he's writing to the church in Corinth, he says to them, he says, there's some gifts, there's some parts of the body that are unseen. Anybody seen their liver lately? Anybody seen their liver? Uh, I haven't seen my liver lately. Anybody seen their intestines lately? I haven't seen mine. Paul says, those parts of the body that are unseen, they need to get more credit than the parts of the body that you do see. Your eyes and your smile. That's what Paul says. And so if you take that picture and you apply that picture to the church, Paul says there are parts of the local church, parts of people who serve, nobody sees. Nobody sees. I would venture to guess most of you have never seen our cleaning team serve. Most of you have likely never seen our mowing team mow. You know? Most of you probably never see the person that folded your program that you got when you came in the door, right? Those are those unseen parts that nobody sees or knows about. And God says they deserve twice as much honor. And so I say to all of you, that serve in those ways, you are incredibly valuable. Incredibly valuable. You deserve a lot of honor. A lot of honor. And that's what God says to you today. And so I hope if you are gifted in those areas, that you walk away with this sense that God is pleased and God is thrilled when you use your gifts to make a difference in the lives of other people. And even if you can't see it, even if it's not clear, that it's going to change someone's life. It's going to change someone's life. And so as you head out, I want you to do a couple of things. Um, if you're not serving, uh, everybody got a sheet when they came in. Um, I want you to pull that sheet down. I want you to try to identify an area where you can serve, where you can move from a passenger to a crew member. Um, if you're gifted in serving, you'll see some areas there. If you're gifted in ministration, you'll see some areas. If you're gifted in mercy, you'll see some areas. Because we want you to use the gifts that God has given to you to make a difference in the lives of other people. Second of all, if you know someone is gifted in one of those areas, tell them. Tell them. If you see your spouse is gifted in one of these areas, will you tell them where they're gifted? Parents, if you see, if I was talking up here and you recognize one of your kids as I was talking, one of your students, please tell them today or this week. You know, likely when your kids are between fourth and sixth grade, you are probably seeing in them some of these characteristics in their lives. And we're going to go over more of them next week. And the, one of the best gifts you can offer to them is to say, 
this is how it seems like God might be able to use you in the lives of other people. And one last one. If you want to do a little bit more, there's some, some assessments up here on the stage. You can grab one of those and take it with you. I'll help you keep exploring that and learning a little bit more about this. God has blessed us here at CCC with an incredible group of servants, with an incredible group of volunteers, people gifted in serving and administration and mercy and giving. And I just want to say a huge thank you to all of you that are using those gifts. And if you're not, my hope is that sometime real soon, you can move from passenger to crew member. Would you pray with me as we close? God, I thank you for the people who are here um, that serve. I thank you for their gifts and abilities, their unique talents that um, I stand in amazement. I'm humbled as I watch them give time and hours to make a difference here, Lord. And these areas we talked about this morning, a lot of them are largely unseen. Um, nobody knows when someone's sitting with someone who's hurting, when someone's praying with them. Nobody knows when someone's writing out that check generously to make a difference in what God's doing here. Nobody knows when someone's organizing things behind the scenes or serving in a way that's unseen. But God, you know, you know. And I know that you are delighted with your children when they use their gifts to serve. God, help us to continue to live out this amazing purpose you've made, you've created us to, to live out. Help us to discover that. And once we know that, to live that out, God, and to make a difference, and be used by you to make a difference in the world.